What is up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of Deconstructing. I am one of your hosts, Curtis Cooper, and I am joined by the illustrious Delaney Harris. Hey. Delaney, what are we even doing here? <laughs> you know, honestly, I think we should have done this a long time ago. Like, here, here's, here's what we're doing here, folks. Me and Del, as I will call her from here on out because that is the nickname that I have assigned to her <laughs> in our time as friends. Um, we are going to just be recording conversations that we would be having anyway. Mm -hmm, exactly. And what we'd love to talk about is deconstructing things. Now, I feel like a lot of evangelical Christians, when they hear the word deconstructing, they have a complicated relationship with it because deconstructing is often used to be like, oh yeah, like I'm bashing religion or something like that. And yes, there will be some religion bashing <laughs> on this podcast. I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, we're deconstructing plenty of things that have nothing to do with religion or evangelical culture or anything. It's just whatever we feel like talking about that week. For that sure. Fair? I am on board. And so without further ado, Delaney, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. why are you here? Why are you here? Who are you? Why am I here and who am I? Well, um, I am Delaney and I am um, here because uh, about, so how long ago was it? Like five or six years ago? Was it six oh, years? good. Look, it was 2015. Oh my so yeah, goodness. over six years ago. Wow. Gosh. That's insane. So six years ago, um, a little freshman in college, me and little freshman in college, Curtis, became friends and we have been friends ever since. And we've been actually really, really close. And so um, I am currently getting my master's degree in school counseling. And I'm also getting one in clinical mental health counseling. And double so, masters, let's go. Double masters, that is what I'm doing. And so yeah, that's who I am. Nice. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess uh, I can echo what you just said. Um, I mean, we've been friends for six years. It feels like it, it still feels like yesterday that we were sitting on a bus and I was being all awkward and chatty with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm currently getting my master's in organizational development and human resources. So that's spicy. And uh, it's, it's remote. So, I mean, it's not the most like involved thing ever, but I'm enjoying it. And I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point, because on this podcast, we are allowing for all the tangents possible. If we get off topic, that's just part of the conversation. For sure. So yeah, um, you all will get to know us as we go along, but that's just a little bit about, I guess, our schooling. That's pretty much all we said. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> You're just like, hey, I am going to school here. That is about that is me. Our life. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, we both have a psychology background. Now, that being said, neither of us has any level of credentials in terms of being actual psychologists, at least not none. yet for Delaney. No, none. <laughs> and for me, that's never going to happen. And you shouldn't take my opinion as psychological gospel. <laughs> this is literally just two friends talking about stuff they're passionate about with pretty much no research going into these specific episodes aside from what we already are bringing into it. Yep, exactly. So dialogue along with us, all opinions are welcome, but not all of them are going to be valid. Sorry. <laughs> because uh, we're going to tell, we're going to tell people what we think. We are. Yes. Straight up truth. Well, so not truth, today's we episode we're starting with something a little spicy, and that is Christian purity culture. Oh, purity culture. So, Del, how would we even begin to define our version of purity culture? I think that's important to get right off the bat. It is important. Um, oh, goodness. So I was raised to, to believe that sex is only for two people who are in love, and I think mm -hmm. I was fortunate in that it wasn't like this whole um 
well, if you have sex, you're impure. However, my parents were raised that way. And so even though they taught me differently, I think a lot of like their attitudes and their personal opinions on sex outside of the context of marriage and staying pure and not, you know, doing anything and let anyone touch you. That was, um, I think like subconsciously ingrained into me. And mm. so um, being raised non-denominational when I came to like conservative Christianity in like, like where I moved to, I moved to a small town, a very conservative Christian, and it was like a culture shock. And I didn't really know, like I was, people would call me a whore. They would call me all kinds of names. And why, I, why would they call you that? Honestly, I think it was just, maybe it was the way I carried myself. Maybe it was the way I dressed. I spoke freely about relationships, about sex and about, um, I, I, I mean, that's really what it was, I think. Um, it was just the, like, oh, no, it's a cute girl who knows who she is. Like, she must be a <laughs> right? horrible harlot. Terrifying. Oh, I scared them so bad. But um, so here I was. It's like, you know, 16-year-old, never kissed a boy, never held a boy's hand, and being told on this, like, outrageous individual. It's like a whore, as they say, because... Um, I had a different understanding of purity. I didn't believe that purity was founded in pureness that it is in the Christian. Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not founded in what's between your legs. Exactly. And I just it was just it was very frustrating, especially going into college with that because uh, I went to college in that same small town. And so going into college, it was just a very this very um it was almost like your whole being was determined on your purity status. And I say purity because I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that it is pure, but what is defined by the- consumer. Yeah, yeah, quote unquote pure. Quote unquote pure, yes. And um, I think living up to that was hard because um, it was just difficult, you know? So that's my background on it. What's yours? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not quite as interesting as yours. Um, <laughs> whereas my- my background and like my church upbringing is very classical, like evangelical, like, oh yeah, like sex before marriage is bad. Mm -hmm. um, you quote unquote, give a piece of yourself away every time like you have sex with someone um, and just avoid it at all costs and abstinence only. That's how you, that's how you don't get an STI. Mm -hmm. um, and just just normal stuff like that and i definitely believe that like wholeheartedly up until like oh late college when i started being like okay let's let's really start looking at this um from both like a biblical religious perspective and from just like a logic perspective like what are what are we doing here hmm. and and yeah. we'll, we'll unpack that as we go but uh, uh that being said this is not this is not going to turn into a parent bashing podcast. <laughs> I am very happy with the vast majority of things that I was taught um, from a family perspective. And especially since one or both of my parents may eventually listen to this when we put it up. So I love them dearly. But uh, at the same time, like there are aspects of purity culture that I think are absolutely harmful and ultimately can destroy people mm. especially women and i think that's something that we should we should emphasize is that like yes men and women both are adversely affected by purity culture but i think it even more so negatively impacts women mm. interesting interesting and if you disagree we will get into that as well I had actually so, never, oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I I was about to change never, the thought. I had never really thought about the differences between men and women in that area. Um, so it's interesting that you bring that up. But um, reflecting what you just said, I remember when your, your kind of, um, your stance on the topic shifted in college in senior year. Yeah. I remember that shift. And I remember um, it was like a new dynamic of our friendship was born and I was able mm -hmm. to connect with you and discuss things with you that I'd always been scared to like discuss with anybody mm -hmm. and it was just really good to I remember that like I think our friendship really deepened that year because of that so oh yeah absolutely and I think that from a certain perspective we're kind of taught to be scared to discuss sex mm -hmm. despite the fact that like oh your, your classic 
preacher stance will be like, oh yeah, sex is glorified by God. And like, he, he's very pro like sexual expression and within the terms of marriage. But at the same time, like everybody frowns mm-hmm. when they talk about it. And it's always spoken of as something filthy, despite the fact that people quote unquote claim that they believe it's good. Mm-hmm. So let, let's go ahead and get into like the gender differences in uh, how purity culture impacts us. Cause like, I can only speak from my own experience. You can only speak from your own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my experience, I think that purity culture teaches both men and women that like they'll be impure, obviously. But virginity from a classical Christian male perspective is viewed a lot differently, in my opinion, than virginity of women is. Okay. Hmm. Just because, um, obviously, with women, when you lose your virginity, there's an actual physiological change that, or a, a tiny physiological change. Um, and classically, like even in like biblical times, like that was seen as like, okay, like if she's not a virgin anymore, then she can't be given away for marriage. Mm-hmm. And whereas with a man, he can just lie and say he's a virgin. We can just lie. That is true. And so um, I feel like it's even more emphasized that women should like, quote unquote, protect their virginity or whatever so that they can like maintain their value. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's interesting that you say value because I think that's what I felt um, when I like came to this small town and like kind of was introduced to purity culture and the importance of virginity. And I think- um, It's a fetishization of virginity. It really is, isn't it? It really is. It's like this this concept that, like once you you've done it once, you can't ever do it the same again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It's it's like the the <laughs> yeah. the first time is like, oh, that's the magical time. Like you have to save it for your wedding night. Otherwise, yeah. like your entire life is ruined. Yeah, I, I yeah, everyone, that's exactly what it was like said. Like, oh, well, like the first time will be so magical, and you want that to like with the person you're close with, the person you love, um, your husband, and I think that. For me, for me, I never viewed sex as being like this, like special event, which sounds really messed. I'm not saying it's not special. I'm sure it's hey, that's your perspective. Keep going. Right. So I'm sure it's it's special and to, to some extent. However, I don't think it's this like unique experience that we only get to experience once in our lives. I think that each sexual partner, each sexual experience has their own unique aspect to it. And I think honestly, kind of if we downplay that uniqueness and that um, diversity in sex, I think we kind of lose the value in sex itself. And so, I don't know, that's just my, my thoughts on that. Yeah, kind of just like placing it in this tiny box where it can only be one very specific thing. Yeah. Being like marriage intercourse. Exactly. That is, yes. that, that is pigeonholing something that like was beautifully designed for like our immense pleasure right yeah exactly and i um i've always kind of viewed sex as like an activity more than it is like an event if that makes sense yeah and so that that so when everyone's like oh it's you know the event of the wedding night it's the event of your honeymoon it's the event of the weekend yeah (laughs) pretty much like why is that like can't it just be an activity that like you know oh I'm kind of bored right now and I'm kind of feeling it let's have sex why why is that such an abstract concept concept you know well yeah and like if you if you think in terms of like physiology and like our bodies our bodies absolutely do not view it as an event right (laughs) just just like our bodies are like oh I'm hungry like feed me or like Mm -hmm. our bodies are like oh yeah I'm like really turned on like let's do something about this right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah um and circling back to the uh the question um what what is your perspective on the male and female and obviously all genders are included in this question I do not have as much experience with non-binary slash um, trans individuals in terms of their sexual experience. It's something I definitely want to 
want to learn more about, maybe we can have someone as a special guest at some point. Yeah. But uh, in terms of your experience with gender and purity culture, what do you think? Um, so my own experience, let's see. I think with gender specific, I hadn't until today, I hadn't, when you mentioned it, I hadn't really ever considered the differences between men and women and their, like how they were taught about purity culture and virginity and sex. And so I think looking at that now, it's like a whole, it's a new concept for me, like the differences. So comparing them now, like my initial thoughts, um, I don't know, because it's, it, it's brand new. I never thought about it. So I don't know. I think um, like talking to you about it in college, I remember freshman, <laughs> freshman year when, oh man there's no telling where this story is gonna go <laughs> freshman year it was it was um still when you were indoctrinated into the purity culture so that was still your mindset back then you 100%. Um, I had asked you a question to kind of like figure out how you felt about the kind of thing and I asked you um I can't remember what it was it's a hypothetical question something along the lines of if you could only have sex with your girlfriend one time and then never see her again or you can marry her and then never have sex with her, what would you do? And you said, oh, I'd never have sex with someone outside of marriage. <laughs> you said, I wouldn't want to do that to her. Wow, I'd, yeah, wow. That's, yeah. yeah, no, that, that definitely sounds like something I said. Yes, and I was, I remember thinking, and I thought about it honestly for years. I thought, what do you mean do that to her? I don't understand that concept, but like now thinking about how a man views it, how a woman views it, I think a man, maybe it's like, because, um, almost in gender roles, the, like the, mm -hmm. uh, the instinct to be like protective. I wonder if that plays into the, the reason that um, purity and sex is viewed differently between men and women, you know, because it's for men. It's oh, a yeah. Thing. Yeah. And so I don't know. And like, the, obviously, that's not how you think of sex now. <laughs> We've evolved <laughs> since then and grown in our mindsets. But it's just, it's interesting to reflect back on that and see that change. Yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting that you bring that up because um, I think oftentimes Christian men are taught to think like, and this is like in terms of like what is viewed as positive Christian masculinity is like, yeah, like you're you're the protector of your household. Like even if you don't necessarily believe in like hardcore patriarchy stuff, like you need to protect your wife, protect your girlfriend at all costs, and like that includes like quote unquote protecting her virginity mm. because like women are obvious or. Um, oftentimes seen as like basically like these scared little sheep that you have to like shepherd along is like the quote-unquote man of the house and uh that devalues them and it does not respect them let me tell you that like <laughs> stop that right now and uh think in terms of how can i think of my partner as an equal mm. and lift them up to where that i think of them on the same level as me and maybe higher than me because i feel like a core tenet of Christianity, at least in terms of like what I think of it is lifting others above yourself hmm. and lift and uh, empowering them. I like that. I like that a lot. I think, um, I think when I dropped out of the purity culture mindset, because even though I wasn't necessarily as ingrained in me as a lot of people are the purity culture wasn't I still had that like that teaching you know young especially because all my friends were raised Catholic or very conservative Christian and so they had this this very different mindset on yeah. sex and I think when I dropped out of that mindset this that the purity culture mindset I think my relationship with Christ actually grew a lot more and I felt more connected religiously which is kind of odd you know, stepping away from the religious teachings brought me closer to the actual relationship with God, you know? Ooh, expand on that. Why do you think that is? You know, I think a lot of it was, I felt like, well, the first thing that happened was my aunt actually asked me, she said, she, she was reading, she, I think she was writing a book actually. And she asked me where in the Bible does it talk about purity? And I was like, honestly, I don't, I don't know that it talks about like virginity as purity or like abstaining from sex as purity at all. And like I searched and searched and searched and I couldn't find anything on it. And then I started talking to my mom about it. 
And one day it just kind of came out of my mouth and I could, I think when it came out of my mouth, I wasn't sure if I believed it, <laughs> but I had said it. <laughs> I had to think about it, but I said, I don't think that sex is tied to religion at all. So I think it's, it's this concept has been created, like virginity and purity has been created by, by um, the human mind to distract from the really important things that we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Because I believe we're supposed to be loving each other and treating each other with kindness. And that's how we, um, experience a true relationship with a higher power but here I am arguing for hours and end with all my friends about the difference between sex and um like uh what's the word I was talking to well let me think what is the word sex and promiscuity <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. like finding that line I mean I remember we spent hours with my friends trying to like decide like when is it like a sin and when is it not a sin and looking back we could have spent that time actually growing in deeper connection with each other and with other people and with god and instead we're over here arguing semantics and it's just i think it's designed to distract us yeah yeah i, I think that's i think that's a great point because let, let's let's just come out and say it like i i was not one of those christians who never read the bible or like didn't wasn't aware of like a lot of what the bible said mm -hmm. i wasn't like i wasn't like a theology student but like i was very aware right. of what the bible said and as soon as i started like poking around it like okay what does the bible explicitly say about sex outside of marriage and its harmfulness because obviously it has to say lots of stuff right because that's what i was taught mm -hmm. it doesn't mm -mm. It just straight up doesn't the in fact like in terms of like god expressing his teachings through the bible like most of it's just him trying to convince people not to rape each other that's true <laughs> just like hey stop treating people like animals yeah and start and start treating them like human beings that, that was the main problem with the israelites coming out of egypt like they were they were literally barbarians and he yeah. had to start from scratch is like okay i have to give you all of these super hyper specific explicit rules so that you all will not like devolve into like animals basically. Right. Yeah. And within that, he did not even tell them that like sex outside of marriage is wrong. He just said like, hey, like incest is really bad for you. Don't do it. Yes. And we know scientifically now why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, uh, God is right on that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I was all of the all of all of the listeners i always have a tendency to call listeners viewers and like that doesn't make any sense because they're not watching anything <laughs> um but i would urge the listeners go do the research for yourself if you think we're wrong that's cool mm -hmm. on whatever medium we post this on post a comment respectfully about why you disagree yeah like we'd love to hear your perspective mm -hmm. and i have i think the strongest argument that i've heard from a biblical perspective is the whole verse where jesus says if you look after a woman and you have lust for her in your heart then you've committed adultery with her mm, yeah and i can definitely see that argument i disagree mm. i think that i think that jesus is talking about adultery specifically right whereas like he's not saying that like if you a single person look at another single person um and find them attractive and are quote unquote, like sexually interested in them. Like that's, I just don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the fact that like, Hey, like I'm trying to point out hypocrisy here. Right. And the Pharisees constantly tried to like trick him into like parading around their super hyper fundamentalist nonsense. And he never fell for it. Right. Yeah. I've also wondered if that verse speaking about lust is also speaking more about like an obsession, like an sexual obsession. And I really have nothing, mm. to, that's just how I've always viewed. I have nothing to like back that, like, um, I don't know any like research on it, but it just seems like that um, lust is such a strong word. And so I've always thought of it as like a strong emotion whereas sexual attraction, although it can be strong, is not always, well, at least not. Yeah, me. like like when you think of lust, you think of someone like almost like physically yearning for something. Yes, exactly. 
And I think that, um, you know, if, if you are spending all of your time, your spare time, just thinking about that, then you're yeah. productivity you could be doing. And, I think yeah, and, that, and that's totally harmful. And I think that from a Christian perspective, that's idolatrous. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of where I've always thought of that as, but as your, your perspective on that is interesting though. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's what we're here for, to open up everybody's minds to new opportunities for growth. Yes. <laughs> and if you grow by vehemently disagreeing with us, then I've still done my job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to change opinions. We're just here to help us understand each other's opinions. Yeah, and we're here to like bring new light to topics that people might be a little bit scared to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And um, moving on to a slightly different sub. So let's go back and talk about from a non-religious perspective. Okay. So I think that it's safe to assume that at least in my, in my vision for this podcast, we will have some viewers who are who are evangelicals, some who are kind of deconstructing what it means to be an evangelical, like we are, and some who just won't have been raised very religious. Very true. So, Del, how would you, how would you describe the, almost like the, obviously non-religious people don't have to deal with like purity culture in the same way, Mm -hmm. as Christians do, but like, what do you think is almost like the quote unquote, like non-religious version of purity culture in our society as a, as a large, as a whole, not a, not a large, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, society as a whole, you know, speaking on um, American culture with purity, um, set, I grew up a little bit overseas in Germany, and sex mm -hmm. is very differently over there. It very oh, really? It's very different. And even just like the human body is viewed very differently over there. And it's just, so coming here, I came here when I was 14. Um, and coming here, I, I was I kind of, even like among people who aren't religious, I was shocked with the, the amount of shame and embarrassment almost around sex. And, oh, wow. and like, even like in groups of people hanging out it was kind of like if you said sex like the word sex it was like taboo and I think honestly it's because the United States <laughs> history, the United States is founded on a, a fight for freedom um yeah 1776 from I guess it goes earlier than that but that's when we declared independence but a fight from um freedom of, of speech religion ability to talk and be who we are as individuals but it started with that that desire for a freedom of religion and i think when that happened because we even like in our constitution and in our um uh that where we pledge allegiance to the flag that poem yeah all of that has religion in it like it has you know under god and in, um indivisibly under god or whatever it is anyway absolutely yeah and i think that our culture as americans is very much so religious so when we dropped out of religion and now we're many of us are not religious anymore i think our ancestors had that purity culture ingrained in them still and that's become a part of our culture not part of our religion but part of our culture and so it's mm. just I, that's what i think it is in the U.S. because overseas, um, you know, at six o'clock every evening, <laughs> if you're at the swimming pool, that's when you don't have to swim with the clothes on anymore. And I can't remember what they call it. Nude them. beaches for the win. Exactly. And it's at the swimming pools, at the parks, anywhere that's like you're trying to sun. Like if you're like out at like um, just like at a park, like where there's trees and grass and you want to like get a suntan, it's not unusual to just be topless for a woman to be topless. And it's not considered like, you know, oh my God, like she's not wearing a top. It's just like, okay, like yeah. that's the human body, you know? It's like, and, oh man, it turns out that women have nipples, like men have nipples, <laughs> and they're both the same. Right. And I think that um, that's where I think a lot of 
um, so I think my perspective is a little different because I grew up between the two countries. But um, yeah, I think that's where a lot of it comes from in our society is that is that historical shame more than it is we don't understand why we're embarrassed by it yeah but we are you know so what do and you think? I think that I think that comes with an interesting juxtaposition because I totally agree that like despite the fact that America is not nor has it ever been a quote-unquote Christian nation it mm -hmm. is absolutely a Christian influenced nation like you said right it's that like Christian judeo-Christian ideology has been injected into this country like from the very beginning both right. good and bad mm -hmm. um and but it also has been a capitalistic country ever mm -hmm. since the days of yore um and sometimes christianity and capitalism do not mix very well no. despite what uh, certain people would tell you mm -hmm. and i and uh, just to give a little bit of preference uh to um, this this conversation, I am politically and socially a liberal. So if that immediately turns you off from ever listening to our podcast again, I'm sorry, but uh, I love you anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know if you wanted to make any comments about your political leanings or not. And if you don't want to make any comments, that's cool. You know, I tend to lean liberal. I um, I, I'm not quite as liberal, I think, as as um, maybe I am as you are, but I'm definitely more on the liberal, liberal end of things. No, I have to, I'm the liberal. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, no, no, I'm, I'm a snowflake. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm trying to like be like, you know, in the middle, but I'm not, I'm a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, I'm a moderate liberal. <laughs> it's like, nah, just, just be who you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm liberal. <laughs> All right, so now with, with that, with that out of the way, um, that does not mean I'm anti-capitalism all the way. It doesn't mean I'm like pro-communism or something right. wild like that. Um, I do believe in economic reform, but we'll get to that when we do the politics episode. Fair enough. <laughs> um, maybe maybe we'll bring in someone conservative for that. Ooh, because I, I think mean, I think that would make for a better conversation. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. And me and you can just roast them. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so America has these two sometimes competing ideas with their economic structure and obviously their societal like views and beliefs or like the ingrained like bedrock, like Christian principles that still influence legislation to this day. And on the capitalistic side, America is a like a sex infused society now. Sex is one of the biggest sellers out there. Mm -hmm. it it drives it drives movies tv shows comic books like literally like every every female superhero from like the the 50s all the way to like i mean even now are like hyper sexy looking mm -hmm. and like it at this point it's more it's more interesting to me when like oh wow that that female superhero is not like not wearing any clothes good for her <laughs> um but like sex is infused into this culture mm -hmm. but at the same time like you said women and, and men to to a degree as well are used for profit and their bodies are used for furthering people's pocketbooks while at the same time there is absolutely still a huge stigma around sex in our country mm -hmm. It's like people like people use their money for sexual gratification. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like something overt, like like porn or prostitution. Like it could just be like, oh, yeah, I just picked up like this swimsuit calendar or something. Well, at the right. same time, they shame people for their own sexual practices. When they're not behind closed doors. Right. So it's it, it, it's definitely a nation of hypocrisy sexual hypocrisy i think is very valid i mean how can a nation that completely like legalizes like pornography makes prostitution illegal right like everywhere right and and we i think i think that pornography in and of itself will be its own podcast topic at some point because okay. there's a lot to unpack there 
Totally. But uh, the fact that that's legal in prostitution is not only hurts sex workers. It doesn't help anybody. Mm-mm. Like people are going to be prostitutes despite the fact that it's legal or not. And if it's not legal, then they're just going to fall into like horrible stuff because it's not regulated and it's not taxed. Right. So yeah. America is very, is very sexually broken, I think, in, in both ways, in the shame component and in the, in the exploitation, like capitalistic um, component. I love and, that. That was oh. excellent. Go on. Sorry. I oh, just love the why way. Th- why thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. Welcome to my soapbox about uh, <laughs> sexual capitalism. <laughs> now, obviously, these are a lot of big forces at play. So the, the question arises, like, what can we do about, about this? And I think it starts with, like, I think it starts with just having conversations with people. And I think it's, there's so much, like, cognitive dissonance and cognitive dissonance basically means for all the listeners that might not have heard that term before it means you say one thing and do another or you believe in two completely opposite ideas that absolutely conflict with each other Hmm. um so in order to rectify this cognitive dissonance between like oh yeah people like people in private might like watch porn or something but in public they might be incredibly anti like sex, anti LGBT, anti whatever. And how do you rectify that? I think you start with dragging sex out in the op- out into the open as a conversational topic. Like obviously like it's not something that you necessarily want to like discuss like over coffee at work or something. But like the family unit in America I think is is the least cohesive it's ever been in terms of communication. Mm. And I think a large part of that has to do with like, we live in an information technology age. And I think it's just overall rare for a family to have dinner together without everybody on their phones, for example. Um, but it's the same with friends. Like how often, like I know me, me and you, Dell, um, have frequently like gone out to eat together with friends and like we all just put our phones like in the middle of the table it's like yeah. no we're not doing this yes this is garbage mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm very grateful for the the people I've surrounded myself but I think that just having dialogues with people and saying like why do you really believe this and how do you reconcile that with what you actually do mm. yeah what are your thoughts on all that after I ranted for like 10 minutes <laughs> I think it all kind of comes down to mindfulness. I, th- I mean, I could be stating too big of a statement there, but I feel like we, I think we often don't have a, a control, a conscious control over what we're doing. And so we're just on Ooh. our phone and we should yeah. be people. And we're just, I mean, I have been guilty of um, talking to somebody and even when I'm like, like my phone's not with me. I'm like drafting a text or like drafting a yeah. letter for a class. In We've my all head. done. Yeah, and I think that um, we have to we have to like make a decision to be consciously like there in the moment. And when we don't, that's when we start doing things like um, uh, finding ourselves on our phone or finding ourselves distracted or finding ourselves not focused on what we should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. And even like in our conversations, I mean, I, I remember I used to have a friend group. I'm not friends with them anymore because of this, but we would sit, <laughs> we'd go out to eat and all we talk about is various kinds of food from around the world, which is fantastic to a point. But I, I realized like at the third or fourth time going out to eat with them, that that's all we ever talked about was various kinds of food. That is wild. Yeah. And there was like, no, and I'm not a foodie. I, I eat just to honestly, to fuel, fuel my workouts. <laughs> like why I yeah. Eat. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah. And so I, I mean, so I was not only bored, but I was also like, there is like, I'm not gaining anything from this relationship. And so I think that that's a lot of what, what I struggle with at least when I'm trying to 
connect with someone or be in a moment is not actually being there. I'm somewhere else or I'm discussing things that really have no value. Yeah, I think that presence, mm -hmm. like being actually there within a situation yeah. is a, it, a incredibly obvious thing that people are like, oh yeah, obviously I'm there. But like, are you really though? Mm. And yeah. that, that's something that I definitely realized last year when I was kind of thinking about my life, thinking about lots of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I wrote down and because I was journaling a lot last year because I was going through the, the pandemic like malaise as we all were. And uh, I just wrote that like, man, there are so many people in this world who like don't ever even like look up from their like dinner plate. And like notice like nature outside mm -hmm. and really like take a second to soak that in and be like, oh, wow, that's that looks really nice. And like it doesn't have to be some deep existential realization every time you're like, OK, I'm going to be present in this moment. It's just like when you're present in the moment, you enjoy things better. Yeah. Yeah. And true. I think that that's something that's been lost in basically every generation that's alive today. Like it's not just some like. It's not some like millennials are always on their phone or like Gen Z doesn't care about anything type of thing. Like you can make that argument for every single generation. Like you could say, oh, boomers work way too much. So like they never allow themselves to be present in, it, in anything. Right. Yeah. And like um, I think that in America, we have such a, a presence and mindfulness deficit. Yeah. That we just kind of like autopilot on. And just right. go about our day and i am very guilty of that mm -hmm. even like even like just being a grad student and not working right now i still find myself like oh like have i taken any time today to think about myself and how i relate to my environment right now right and that's something that i think we should all if you if you as a listener and me and dell as well if we just took five to 15 minutes every day mm -hmm. and just said stop let me self-regulate for a second and just open my eyes and experience the world around me and just take everything in you don't have to like force yourself to think about anything super deep but like who am i what am i doing here right now mm -hmm. that's it and it absolutely applies to sex and purity culture as well. Like, I think that people get in so much trouble so often um, and make like poor sexual decisions because like, I think sex can be purely driven by like a physical reaction. Whereas like sex can and should be just as meditative as anything else can be. And being truly present within yourself if you are, if you have self-awareness, then you're not going to mess up at least not in any like super big way that you can't recover from. Right. What are your, what are your thoughts on all that though? I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of, um, I think mindfulness puts a lot into sex and understanding. I, I think if we had more of an understanding of ourselves and more awareness of who we are and what we're doing, then our sexual experiences would be more, um, intentional and not just for the moment if that makes sense mm -hmm. I think um a lot of the partners I've had uh, were just kind of spur of the moment okay like oh, why not you know what I'm saying and I think mm -hmm. if I had said actually I'm not attracted to you <laughs> actually <laughs> I don't think I'm, like, I'm not I'm not into this exactly and I would have been able to like kind of had more of a say in things than mm -hmm. I did even though like I had like if I had said no that person would be like oh, okay like that's fine like we won't do anything but because I had this like guilty like am I am I am I actually like do I want to have sex with this person but I'm not because of purity culture am I like afraid of it but if I had been like no this is how I feel about purity culture this is how I feel about sex I'm aware of that and I don't want to mm -hmm. have sex with this person for other reasons it would have been more more of a positive experience because I, I've been like in situations where I've been like, well, the only reason I don't want to hook up with him is probably because it's sex and I'm not like in a relationship with him. So I probably shouldn't hook up with him because like, it's like quote unquote a sin. Whereas in reality, the truth is I didn't want to hook up with him because I wasn't attracted to him. Yeah. If I had been mindful and aware of that. I could have said, actually, mm -hmm. 
I'm not interested. I'm sorry. Instead of saying, oh, actually, I feel guilty because I didn't feel guilty, but yeah. I just didn't like them. And, you know, that's, yeah, I, would, I think that that's important to have that awareness, even when it comes to sex, that mindfulness. Absolutely. And like mindfulness goes hand in hand with like self-honesty. Like, how do I really feel about this? Right. And I think that that's, that's something that people can get so wrong. And I've certainly gotten wrong in the past with like, when you get into a relationship and you jump right in mm-hmm. and you're in that like, oh, what's it called? Like the honeymoon phase? Yeah. Where like, you're just madly in love with this person. Like you literally can see them doing no wrong. And yeah. Then people usually shift immediately from the honeymoon phase into the like, the oh, we're fighting hardcore phase because right. they never did actually any work together or any work within themselves to realize like, mm-hmm. am I truly okay with how this is right now? Or am I just like letting like my libido cloud my, my thoughts? Right, yep. Mm-hmm. So the next time, like, let me just say I'm single right now. <laughs> so take take all this within that context and you are as well though sorry to out you like that <laughs> um but uh the next time i'm in a relationship that i really care about this person like i'm going to do everything in my power to be mindful every step of the way oh, I like and that. it's not going to be perfect i'm absolutely going to say some stupid stuff that's going to make my friends groan because like I'm just a really I'm just a really passionate person a really sensitive person Mm -hmm. but it's gonna I'm gonna get better with every time and I am confident in that everyone should be confident in that as long as you're mindful about how you relate to people for sure for sure yeah I agree I think that that huh oh go ahead go ahead no you go what I was, I was just about to say, like, this, this, this conversation right here feels like the perfect, like, ending to a, a purity culture scathing conversation. <laughs> but go ahead, finish your thought. I was going to say, um, I think that um, the, the mindfulness and relationships discussion that you, the, the thing you just said, I think that that's something that's really valuable. And I think that if if I could, I've, I've been sitting here thinking for the past maybe week or so, wondering um, what exactly that will look like in my next relationship. And I think just putting the word mindful to it is excellent. Mm-hmm. I like that. So I appreciate you saying that. Hey, look, look at us helping each other through the podcast. If no one ever listens, then <laughs> if nothing else, it's therapy for the two of us. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> So Del, I think that that's an excellent ending to this conversation for today, but I do have one last thing I want to do just to help the viewers get to know us a little bit better. Okay. And I think we should tell, not not the viewers, the listeners, we should tell (laughs) the listeners how we actually met. Let's do it. Yes. Because, oh man, do you remember? Okay. So long story short, people. Um, I was, I was tutoring a class that Dell was in because we took classes at different times Yes, and I took it the year before. So I was tutoring it and it was a Christian university. So they would sometimes have worship thoughts before like class and stuff. Um, and I asked Dell if she would do a worship <laughs> thought one time and she, <laughs> and she literally just decides to get up there and tell the story of how we met in the most embarrassing way possible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I, I was up there deceased. I was deceased. Oh. Like I am, I am a naturally fairly confident person in front of people, but like I was beat red. <laughs> I felt horrible because I didn't realize how it sounded <laughs> and I finished and you looked at me and you said I have never been more embarrassed <laughs> I had never seen you embarrassed in my life and I was like really and like yes and I was like oh I felt terrible it, and it wasn't even it wasn't even a thing where like I was even upset with you at the end of the class or anything like no I was like no, embarrassed no. and like I moved on with my day and like I, I never felt the need to talk to you about it afterward because I wasn't mad about it so That's you're good. you're fine you're fine Oh, I felt I don't, terrible. 
was funny. I try not to hold on to grudges against people, and like it was never a grudge to begin with. So, but it's <laughs> it's just it's just funny because now we're gonna tell it with both of our perspectives. Okay. So it was. So our college had like this class called what was it? Was it Smart Start? Yeah. No, that was. Was, that was the that was the month before where we took like a right. an accelerated class. Right. It was right after Smart Start, like the day after Smart Start it started. What was it? It was on Mondays at eleven. No, it was on Tuesdays at eleven a.m. Yeah. Um, oh, what was it? And we were doing like a volunteer thing. Yeah, it was like supposed to get you like introduced into like the things on campus and around. Yeah. And we like a like a volunteer day, a service day. Um, can't really yeah, like campus it. culture. Yeah. And so I think, did we go to like the Y or something to like we help did. them with something? We went to the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we got onto the bus and, okay, did I talk to you on the way there or the way back? I think back. I think Yeah, I that seems back. right. Yeah. Okay, so before this, before this, when we're sitting in the gym getting ready to like meet our our class for this particular activity i see Dell. i'm like oh wow like she's cute i should talk to her <laughs> um as a 19 year old college student would do Ex yep absolutely yep <laughs> i think you, you were what 18 at the time yep i was i was well 18 year old me <laughs> it's like oh man robbing the cradle <laughs> And so I, I say hi to her or whatever. I don't remember if we talked at all then or not. Um, but then fast forward to the why. I think I talked to her a little bit there. And then on the bus, I, I asked if I could sit by her on the bus. And Del, I want, you to, I want you to continue the story from there. Sure. So I remember I was staring out the window and- um... You remember details so much better than I do. <laughs> Oh, I remember I had a timer on my phone because I timed how long it took to get there. And I can't remember why, but I was like in a hurry to get back. So I had a timer on my phone to see like how long time would pass. That and was so intense. I know. I, was, I respect it. I was so over the top. <laughs> so I was sitting there and I was staring at the window and all of a sudden I hear your voice and you're just, you're standing there. And you said, can I, you said, no, may. You said, may I sit here? <laughs> and oh, I would say that. I would say that. <laughs> and I think you're wearing a red t-shirt. I think, I can't remember for sure. And I said, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. And then you started talking and um, you talked the whole way back. And because um, I remember I was like, like I was dog tired. I thought I was gonna fall asleep on the bus. And I remember you talking, I was just like, I think he wants to be friends. Um, before that, I just thought you wanted an MTC. And I was like, I think he wants to be friends. And then- um, <laughs> That is the most innocent thing ever. <laughs> it's like, oh, I think he's just looking for an MTC. And we get back to campus and um, I can't remember if you got my phone number that day or a different day. No, I think it was a li little bit later on. Later, okay. Um, oh, and something I, something I want to add is that um, when I sat down, apparently one of the first things I said to you, Dell, was I'm an introvert. Yes, you did. You did. And then you <laughs> talked the whole way back. And I was like, are you sure you're an introvert? <laughs> Oh, I, I have a bad habit of when I'm nervous, I just kind of like prattle on, especially when I'm like interested in someone. Right, which I had no idea you were. So I was just like, dang, I don't think he's an introvert. Like, I think he lied to me. <laughs> you're just like, well, you're just like, well, in Germany, the traditional <laughs> mating ritual is this. <laughs> oh, it was so, that's, that's, the, that's the bit I told at the worship was that you were an introvert and then talked the whole way back to school. <laughs> and because I remember my phone, the timer was already going because we had pulled out. And we're looking down and seeing that we're almost back because I didn't know the way yet back to school. Mm -hmm. And we're looking down and seeing that we're almost back and realizing that you've been talking like, I think it was eight minutes. You've been talking for eight minutes. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think he's an introvert. I think he lied. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the funny part is I am an introvert. Yes. But I, I, but I, I, more, I more identify as a fake extrovert. Okay. Interesting. Because like that sometime. Oh, we, we totally, we're going to, okay, one, one day we're going to do just like a full Enneagram episode where like we put on our like, our like white Christian mom hats and just talk about the Enneagram for like two hours. 
I'm here. Invite like five other people on. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like my, I am very extroverted around people I feel safe with and draw energy from. Mm. But within like big crowds of people I'm not comfortable with, yeah. hardcore introvert. And you've seen both at this point. So I have, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then we, uh, a couple weeks later, I think, um, we're like walking away from class or something and like we exchange numbers and I think I think I walked you to your car or something because it was a ways away yeah I think you did and I think that's when you started like telling me something about your family and I was like that's cool mm-hmm. and then I think we went to Taco Bell a couple weeks later we did and, and uh so before we were we were due to hang out at Taco Bell I looked you up on Facebook and was like oh dang she is dating someone right now I was I was yes (laughs) (laughs) and uh what's funny about that is I believe you were just about to break up with this person I was like literally just about to like maybe like the day or two later uh I think it was two days later I broke up with him yeah yep and so at top when we went to meet at Taco Bell I was like hmm I'm gonna find out about this so I'm like (laughs) hey are you seeing anybody and you were like yeah what about you (laughs) and And I was like well I guess not (laughs) oh it's so bad Uh, it's incredible though like it it, is I mean it's not like I overtly like said anything so like and obviously like I was I was and am still terrible at flirting so people just assume it's like oh he's just being friendly well, I'm horrible at reading someone's flirting with me too. I'm horrible at it. Awful. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh man, that kind of sucks. So we didn't talk for a little while and then we started hanging out again. Do you remember why we started hanging out again? We took that class. We had to go walk those dogs. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. That's, that's how that happened. So we took this psych class where we had to like where we had to like look up careers in psychology and I got stuck with this group who was like hey let's walk dogs and I'm like oh great (laughs) fantastic I am I was definitely less of an animal person then than I am now and I'm not a huge animal person now so you all can see where I'm going with that Mm -hmm. although my dream dog is a corgi because uh who doesn't want a corgi come on doesn't honestly they're I don't care that they're like the basic funny animal now like I want one (laughs) um so we walked dogs together because me because I didn't want to go alone right so I was like hey Del like you want to go and she's like sure (laughs) so we did this for like 15 total hours we did um or at least we said we did it for 15 hours it was probably closer to like 13 (laughs) we totally did (laughs) (laughs) um and uh we just kind of like talked and like got to know each other during those 13 or so hours and uh we became good buds. We did. We we played a game that we made up called the question yes. game. Yeah. We authored the greatest game ever made called the question game mm-hmm. that we still subject our friends to. Yes, and we play and all the time. <laughs> there will absolutely be an episode of this podcast where we invite two or three people on. We all play the question game for like an hour. 100%. Because that would make for some excellent podcasting. I don't care what people say. Oh, it really would. Yes. I, I, I'm all over it. Yeah. And for those curious, the question game is literally just, you have a group of people, one person asks a question, then they go around, everybody answers the question, and then it ends with the person who asked the question answering their own question, and then the next person asks a question. It goes around like that, and everybody gets to talk so that nobody feels left out, because it especially works in a group where like two or three of the people don't really know anybody yeah very well and so everybody feels like included um hardcore introverts hate it because it reminds (laughs) them of the icebreaker things that people do in college and I don't care because I love the icebreaker things (laughs) um and it's it's just phenomenal it is so yeah but that's kind of our the genesis of our friendship in a nutshell yes there's much more to tell like how we arrived where we are now but that's that's for another day another day yes so Del, did you have any final, final thoughts or messages to the people before we sign off? 
Uh, I think my my only final thought would actually be to issue a challenge um, that no matter where you stand on the purity discussion and virginity and all of that, that you explore it for yourself and find where you personally stand on the issue and not where you feel you should stand on the issue. Absolutely. And within that process, be mindful throughout. Yes, exactly. And mindful. just inject a little bit of mindfulness into your life. Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll help you. I guarantee yes, it. For sure. And also, for, for those of you who either maybe know me or like know about purity culture a lot and are screaming about like, they didn't talk about this, 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 and this. Well, first of all, this is definitely on our last time talking about purity culture. Definitely not. <laughs> there, there will probably be a part two, three, four, and five when we, when we <laughs> think of all the stuff we missed. This was just a cursory, like, how, how are we feeling right now? Um, what are just some things that pop into our mind? Like, we might introduce a little bit of structure down the lane, but uh, we're going to keep it fun regardless. Yes. So, uh, all right, Dell, I say we reintroduce ourselves as we sign off. So as always, I am Curtis Cooper. And I am Delaney. And this is Deconstructing. Have a wonderful evening slash day, people. <laughs>